Church, let me invite you to open the scriptures with me this morning to the text that serves as the basis for that hymn that we just sung. Let's turn to Psalm 42 as we continue our time in this portion, this book of of God's Word. I have to say that during portions of this week, as I was planning for today, I probably felt a little bit like uh, the way some of you felt during that time of silence. Uh, A challenge before me as I wrestled with this text, a psalm of lament, perhaps a portion of Scripture that uh, many of us don't wrestle with or haven't wrestled with very often, but I've been reminded, and I hope you are reminded this morning, that it's okay for God's Word to make us a bit uncomfortable. It's okay uh, for God to uh, capture our attention and cause us to pause and to listen in a different way to hear His voice and then to respond and speak to Him. But church, the longer I pastor, uh, the more I think I'm disturbed by a vastly popular false gospel that has taken deep root in our culture. Many churchgoers are being fed uh, the lie even today that uh, greater faith produces a greater life. That God wants you to have more money and nicer things and better health. And he's simply waiting on you to trust him for it. In fact, listen to these words from the opening chapter of one of the best-selling Christian books of our century. The pastor of one of the largest churches in our nation writes, If you develop an image of victory, success, health, abundance, joy, peace, and happiness, nothing on earth will be able to hold those things from you. Now that sounds really good, right? But it's simply not true. It fails to take the Bible seriously and it fails to take human suffering seriously. Hearts do quit pumping. Cancer does often spread. Layoffs happen. Parents pray daily for their children and yet many still grow up and abandon the faith. The impoverished and the affluent succumb to addiction. Spouses leave. Terrorists attack. Children are bullied. Bad things do happen to God's people. When your world falls apart, where do you turn? Where will you turn? God invites us in the scriptures to turn to him in prayer. Prayer sustains believers in the desert. Prayer sustains believers in the desert. When life as we know it falls apart, as it will, let's join people of faith down through the centuries and cry out to God. Church, this is what the psalmist did. We're going to look at it this morning. So as you find your place there in Psalm 42, let me invite you uh, to join me standing for the reading of God's word. Psalm 42, beginning in verse 1, the word of God reads, the psalmist prays, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? 
These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All the waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Let's bow together. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you that you speak to us through it, that you instruct us to live by it, Lord, and that you call us to participate in it. Father, help us to be faithful this morning. Help us by the presence and power and guidance of your spirit to give us wisdom and rightly understanding the truths of your word and applying them to our lives as your people. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The church may be seated. The Psalms of Lament are not at all uh, unique. There are quite a number of them, or should I say this particular psalm is not unique in that way. There are many Psalms of Lament or Psalms of Complaint in this portion of the Scriptures. But the message and the tone of this psalm remind me of the continuous challenges faced by one of our church members. Joan Green has battled myasthenia gravis for over 30 years, a chronic and incurable autoimmune neuromuscular disease characterized by a breakdown between the nerves and the muscles. It's extremely rare and in her case requires regular plasma exchange treatments simply to maintain a functional level of energy. In fact, she had to be rushed to the ER just this past week to receive such treatments. And this is one of several health-related hardships that Joan battles, yet she does it, church, with unwavering faith in God. I asked her if I could share a little of her story today, and she responded and said, yes, absolutely. As long as God gets all the glory and none of it goes to me. She's a woman of faith who's ready to go home and to be with Jesus But the connection between the psalmist and Joan's circumstances runs uh, deeper than potentially uh, life-threatening situations. From the midst of overwhelming anguish, both the psalmist and Joan grieve their inability to gather with God's people to worship Him. Friends, those who walk with God grieve when they cannot gather to worship Him. Those who walk with God, those who know God, who have tasted the the goodness of the Lord, 
grieve when they cannot gather to worship him among God's people at the place of worship. You know, we don't know the original setting or context of this particular psalm. We know that the psalmist is on the run. His enemies are surrounding him. Based upon the reference to Mount Hermon, he's in the northern part of Israel, and he wants to be back in Jerusalem, the religious center, to gather with God's people for the festival to worship God, and he's simply not able to. But beyond that, I think the lack of historical context here is intentional because it allows us, along with believers in every age, uh, to readily transfer the message here to our lives. And church, though unbelievers are not prohibiting us from gathering as the church today to worship Christ, many brothers and sisters around the world today do face just such opposition. Last week, I mentioned the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang. Some of you, no doubt, went home and enjoyed saying that word a few times, as I have. But just 50 miles north of that city lies the border with North Korea. Controlled by the brutal Kim regime. Where Christians are hunted by their government to be executed or sent to concentration camps. And where just owning a Bible can be a capital offense. Less than 2% of the nation is estimated to know Jesus. And the overwhelming majority of those who, who do know Jesus in that nation are secret believers. Unable to gather publicly to worship Christ for fear of death. Over 100,000 Christians are believed to be in brutal labor camps in that nation right now. It hasn't always been this way. For North Korea, it was the birthplace of the Korean revival. But during the Korean War, most Christians fled south or were killed while churches were bulldozed. Church, there are members of our family Brothers and sisters in Christ, members of the family of believers around the world today who know what it's like to grieve over their inability to gather as we're gathered today to worship Jesus Christ. And we must pray for them. As no doubt they are praying for prayer sustains believers in the desert. Church, when those who know God and who know the joys of openly worshiping Him in the company of the redeemed, are prohibited from doing so. They yearn for Him. They yearn for God. They yearn for God. The psalmist here wants to go to Jerusalem. He wants to gather with God's people to worship Him, but he's on the run. He's surrounded by enemies. And so he prays, verse 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. As water is the source of life for the dry and parched animal in the desert, God is the source of spiritual life for the believer. Based on the imagery here, we can assume that the psalmist was surrounded by waterfalls that would easily have satisfied his desire for for physical thirst. But the psalmist can only think of his greater thirst, his thirst for God. When can I go and meet with God, he asks. 
Christian, are you, are you walking with and experiencing God in such a way that you long for Christ-centered corporate worship? That you long to gather in the name of Jesus Christ and exalt Him together with the company of the redeemed. That you emotionally and spiritually miss church when you end up physically missing church. Remember the words of Paul regarding his satisfaction in knowing Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul writes, he says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. In other words, nothing compares to the sweet satisfaction of knowing Jesus. Those who know Him yearn for Him and for times of gathering with His people. If you want to be satisfied by God in the way that you were created to be, in the way that the psalmist was, in the way that Paul was, then get to know Him. Get to know God. Get to know God. He's made Himself known to us. He has revealed Himself to us. He desires to be known by us. He's revealed Himself through creation, through His written Word, through the Word made flesh, His Son, our Savior. Friends, spend time with Him. Get to know Him. For this is about a relationship. This is not a list of rules or practices to implement. It's a relationship with the one and only God. Enter into right relationship with Him through faith in the risen and crucified Christ. And then walk with Him. For those who walk with God yearn for Him when their communion with Him is disrupted. And when they face opposition or ridicule for trusting Him, they remember His faithfulness. When taunted, they remember the joy of worship. They remember the joy of worship. Verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God. So as he grieves his inability to be with God's people and to enjoy celebrations of worship, he recalls and considers what it used to be like. What his life used to be like when he was able to go. His memory of the past informs his prayers in the present. But in the meantime, friends, he feels spiritually parched. He feels as if he is in a spiritual desert, taunted by enemies who ridicule him because God isn't saving him. So to remind us of some of Jesus' words. Jesus' words to his followers recorded in John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Unbelievers don't understand the faith, so they have little room for sympathy for believers. But even so, church, God is faithful. God is faithful. Believers are blessed, Psalm 1. And the Messiah does rule and reign on high forever and ever, Psalm 2. God's people know and believe this, so when despairing, they anticipate deliverance and restoration. When despairing, they anticipate God's deliverance and restoration. 
restoration to gather with his people and to worship him. The lament will turn to praise because the believer knows the God of the word and the word of the only God. So he encourages himself. He instructs himself based upon what he knows about God, based upon his past experience of God. He instructs himself to hope in God, anticipating the time when he will be delivered from his enemies and restored to worship with God's people. He says, verse 5, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Church, here is longing to be with God's people, fixated together on God's glory and his goodness. And believers, if, if the psalmist's relationship with his God is indicative of the type of relationship that he, that he desires for all of us to have with him, and I believe that it is, then we must cherish times of corporate worship. Cherish times of corporate worship. Cherish times of gathering with God's people and opening his word and singing his praises. Gather often and gather well. Let's be a family of believers that is bent on opening the word together, bent on singing God's praises together, bent on encouraging one another to walk with Christ together. Now, we don't have enemies presently prohibiting us from gathering. Many of you do know what it's like to be in the spiritual desert and to cry out to God from a place of desperation. And when God feels distant, His people find strength through honest and earnest prayer. Church, when God feels distant, His people find strength through honest and earnest prayer. We're invited to approach God through the blood of Jesus Christ that washes us clean, that makes us righteous in His eyes, and we're instructed through His Word to pray continually, to pray without ceasing, to enter into conversation with Him, and to speak to Him, and to hear from Him. And God intends for this portion of His Word, He intends for the Psalms to help us with this. And one of the hallmarks of these prayers is honesty with God. So believer, are you honest with God? I mean, are you, are you really honest with God? Or is your prayer life often characterized by ritualistic, memorized, rote prayers as is often the case for many of us. You know, marriage counselors know that regular and honest communication is a must for a meaningful and successful marriage. Stop talking or start lying and the relationship will go south in a hurry. And the same is true in a relationship with God. God is honest with us and He expects us to reciprocate. When God feels distant, His people find strength through honest and earnest prayer, even at times, church, complaining to Him. They complain to God. This psalm is a lament, a complaint. And the complaining about God is unjustified. The Bible does give credence to complaining to God from the perspective of faith. Verses 6 and 7, the psalmist essentially tells God, God, I am down, I'm far from your presence in the sanctuary, and I don't understand why. You are my source of life, but I feel like you are destroying me. 
Prayer sustains believers in the desert, even difficult prayers. So threatened and alone, he complains to God, and God responds by comforting him. Honest prayers often include laments. In fact, I suspect many among us today can resonate with the psalmist's complaints and questions, wondering why God is allowing hurt and hardship, and even when we can't, we we can and should lament on behalf of others. And God feels distant. His people complain to Him, and God comforts them. God comforts them. God is the God of all comfort. Verse 8, the psalmist writes, By day the Lord directs His love. At night His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And so by remembering God's love, His sustenance, His provision, His protection, He's able to sing and He's able to pray through the night. So friend, if you are hurting today, if you are wondering where God is in your life and what He is up to, if you are questioning why He's not intervening, let me encourage you to remember His faithfulness to you in the past. Remember how He has spoken clearly to you before. Remember His overwhelming love lavished upon you by sending His Son to the cross on your behalf that you might be saved And be restored to Him and have eternity with Him forever and ever. Remember the gospel proclaimed to you. Remember the Spirit promised to you. And remember the eternity that awaits you. Pray, meditate, and sing these truths to sustain you through the night. Prayer sustains believers in the desert. But it doesn't diminish the reality of the desert God's people feel as if God is distant. They express faith and despair. Honest prayers are often prayers of faith and despair. Faith in the midst of despair doesn't diminish the reality of the pain, but it sees it from a different perspective. I was taking my son home from preschool the other day, and he he said to me, Daddy, I just thought of something. I responded, "That's, that's great. What did you think? He said, no, Daddy, not think, thought. Rather than into, enter into a conversation on verb tense and semantics, we just sort of left that alone. A matter of perspective. Verse 9, I, I say to God, my rock, that's faith. Why have you forgotten me? That's despair. Honest prayer, expressing despair, yet from the perspective of faith. So church, let's practice honest prayer. Let's be a people who so love the Lord and trust Him that we are able to practice honest prayer with Him. God doesn't forget, for He knows everything. He hasn't forgotten you. But when He doesn't seem to respond, it feels like he forgets. Friends, the Psalms give us permission to be honest. In fact, I think they instruct us to be honest with God, but from the perspective of faith in him. We often don't understand God's ways, but we trust him. We believe in him and we wait patiently and expectantly for him to act. When God feels distant, his people find strength through honest and earnest prayer. 
At times they complain to God and God comforts them. They express faith and despair. And finally, they anticipate deliverance and restoration. Deliverance and restoration. In verse 11, the refrain of this psalm is repeated. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Faithful often find themselves waiting, but they continue to trust Him as they wait. So as you wait, friend, as you wait... As you wait for God's voice, as you wait for God to act, as you wait for God to deliver, as you wait for God to intervene, remember God's love and care. Remember His love and care. Remember His love and His care for you. As I prepared for today, I thought of Reba Pace. Reba Pace passed from this life on July the 15th of last year. After living for 98 years on this earth. Of course in her final years her body was frail. She would slowly speak with a soft quiver in her voice. But she'd always smile. I remember one day she said to me. Chris. I'm getting on up there in years. I can't do a whole lot anymore. Oh, how we wish we could come to church, but we are just not able. In fact, on one occasion, she even said, I'm beginning to wonder why God still has me here. Mrs. Reba was waiting patiently. She was ready to go home. Ready for deliverance from a frail body in a fallen world filled with sin and sinners. She was ready to be with God The God who loved her and the God who cared for her. And now, friends, she's with Jesus. Those who know Jesus want to be with Jesus. And they know that they will soon be. Perhaps no one has influenced more people to faith in Christ than Reverend Billy Graham. Dr. Graham passed away this last week at the age of 99 years old. And long before his death, the great evangelist shared these gripping words, some of uh, words that I'm sure some of you have heard as they've sounded through media and other avenues this past week. But Billy Graham said, Someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. I will have gone into the presence of God. See, he knew that this earthly life is temporary. And because it is temporary, we can hope in God, no matter what trials or difficulties or suffering that we may face here. He is good. So we yearn for him. We want Him. We long for Him because we know Him and we know that He is good. So believer, as you wait, as you wait for deliverance, as you wait for deliverance from cancer or divorce or depression or dementia or persecution or family turmoil or financial ruin or failed parenting or whatever hardship you may face, long to be with the God who saves you. As you wait, long to be with Jesus. Long to be with the Savior. Do you know Him? If you know Him, then you'll long for Him. And if you long for Him, then you'll spend your seasons of suffering 
Your seasons of difficulty here in this life, your seasons in what feels like the spiritual desert, on your knees, communing with Him in prayer. For prayer sustains believers in the desert. Prayers that are informed by the Scriptures. Informed by a God who tells us that one day our earthly troubles will fade as we enter the heavenly sanctuary of the Lord and remain there forever. It's church. Close with Paul's words to the Corinthians regarding these truths. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse sixteen. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you that you are the God of eternity. Lord, that you rule and you reign, that you have always been and you will always be. Lord, that you are a God who invites us to know you and to walk with you and to commune with you, to live for you, to find life and joy and satisfaction and comfort and peace in knowing you. Lord, remind us of your goodness. Draw us near to you. Remind us of your faithfulness, for you are always faithful. Lord, give us a glimpse of eternity with you. Lord, help us as we journey through this life, as we face the ups and downs of living in a broken, sin-filled, disease-stricken, fallen world. Fill us with a gospel perspective. Fill us with hope in you. For we will yet praise you, our Savior and our God. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.